podcast time. <laughs> Welcome to the Cowcast, episode 43, Shop Talk, Collected Editions. Well, I'm Eric. I am James. Welcome to all you new listeners or old listeners who forgot who the heck we were. We're back. New year. New charge. New desires. New topics. Not really. We have to do a topic that we tried to do once before again. We've... Maybe now, for a fourth time? Actually, <laughs> let's be honest. So we've recorded three podcasts in, in between... I think in between the last one that we put out. One of them was actually really good and it was it was great several hours and it was all about grading and mm-hmm. I had done a lot of research and there was a uh, technical issue and it was lost or unusable or something it was corrupted somehow yeah. uh, I think the other two we were drunk <laughs> so I don't know if they were actually worth releasing one I of them I can definitely assure you was not and the other one I think I forgot to hit record okay so <laughs> Nonetheless, we... so we've tried a couple of times uh, with the same results each time, unfortunately. And on top of that, we have been incredibly busy yep. uh, with the new shop, the move. Um, some of you may have heard us. We did a an episode with John Mayo last year on C2E2. He came oh, up. that's right. And um, we talked for an hour and a half or so. And kind of gave our insights on the new shop. Now, uh, that's, that's a guy going. who knows how to get a podcast out. Yes, absolutely. And Mike Myers as and well. And on time. Oh my gosh, those guys. And Drew and Kyle, they do their weekly show. Um, you probably, if you listen to our show, you may listen to the comic book page, which is John Mayo's podcast. Um, I am now a monthly regular on the comic end of month numbers discussions, the the Mayo Report comics edition with John and Sam. Uh, so I've been doing that. And then I've actually found my way a couple of times onto couple of episodes of uh, drew and kyle's podcast comics for profit in the last few weeks just trying to get a couple things out there so i think we've our batteries are recharged what a blowhard i know i'm busy you're not um whoa <laughs> i'm just kidding no so we were we just decided you know what it's time we get another episode out um, we've both been super busy but i think we've gotten into kind of new flows with the shop with our personal lives gotten things kind of into a spot where we now have a little bit more time to hopefully maybe once a month at least try and get an episode out. Well, I think the other thing we for I think we've always talked about how we we only put one of these out if if we have something to talk about. Yeah, that's something the other to say. Thing. Yeah, I mean there are we're not we're not, review we're not show, reviews right. because there are people that review things much better than we ever will <laughs> yeah. and have more we're, time to read than we ever will. Right, and we don't just want to go on and, and listen to ourselves talk. Right. Uh, so I I think. We, and there have been, again, like with the grading episode we did, we had something to say and we said it and unfortunately something <laughs> we'll happened. we to say it. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, we've there have been a couple of things in the, in the comic industry lately that we've spent a lot of time discussing. And, yep. um, and certainly a lot of that will be reflected in 
what we're talking about today. And I know that we get questions from people every once in a while. And, um, and I think that this is something related to that where somebody had a question for you uh, about collected editions, which um, kind of links back very organically to one of the things that we have a big problem with, which we will we will touch on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll turn it back over to you. What are we talking about? Yeah, so this actually stems out of some of the discussion we were having on the Comic Book Page Slack channel. And it really was around stuff specifically really specifically related to believe me we're not drunk yet uh specifically related to collected editions why certain things go out of print why the value of them goes up significantly Uh, a couple of other pieces to that are what do you and i look at when we're buying collected editions to stock on the shelf Mm -hmm. some that maybe we're making a, a long play on to say oh this has gone out of print and the value skyrocketed Maybe we should order a couple extra to try and keep just in case. Um, so there's a little bit of speculation, well, in- but it's really more built around just the whole idea of collected editions, their value, why some are in print, why some are out of print. There's different reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Um, what publishers do a better job of keeping them in print versus not. So Besides it's just kind of all too, around. We Obviously, I've been buying them longer than you have just because I've been into the, into the hobby longer, but... It's kind of interesting every once in a while. I'll look at the stuff that I have on my library shelves at home, and you know half the stuff that I have is out of print. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't think a lot of that was you know it's not calculated, but it just happens to be that a lot of the stuff that I like to read um, goes out of print for whatever reason. You know maybe maybe a lot of the stuff that I like isn't as popular, so I buy it when it comes out, and um, and then they don't print it again. I don't know what the reason is. But um, you and I, I think, both have a lot of cool out-of-print mm-hmm. uh, stories by you know many different publishers, so yep. we'll touch on that. But I think both as collectors and as a store, um, looking at what's being released is something that we uh, we have a lot of we have a lot of uh, experience with and a lot of different different ideas about. So yeah, for sure. And I think it, it there's different ways that the publishers handle it as well. So let's just start right off the bat. Why do some things go out of print? We'll start with the obvious. A publisher goes out of business. That's the sure. the first and foremost reason that things go out of print. I mean, if the publisher's not there and they hold the license, the license hasn't expired yet, but they're not around to publish it. So that's an obvious one. That one we know. Mm-hmm. Um, then you get into some of the more intricate things where a publisher still exists but a property goes out of print, and why does it go out of print and not get reprinted? Well, that's more of a demand issue, right? There's certain things that just don't have much of a demand. Well, uh, I think one of the best ones to get into as an example would be a company that went out of print where there was an author that is the most demand author, demanded author in the history of the entire medium, and a rights issue that is maybe cleared up now but even then probably not it's like miracle man Mm -hmm. and when um the company that was publishing publishing miracle man went out of business uh all those miracle man trades went for big money and back when i was trying to to get miracle man um in the late 90s and early 2000 mid 2000s um the trades went for sometimes even more than the individual issues except for issue 15 maybe Um, and 
I think it was it was uh, Dez Skin that that had um, oh crap what was the company that had Miracle Man um, um, not Eclipse uh... oh man ill prepared here right um, shooting from he, the hip God I know Dez Skin but um, but either way so when when whatever whoever it was went out of business Miracle oh it was Eclipse um, <laughs> Miracle Man. Uh, one of the classic Alan Moore stories was originally printed in a British magazine called Warrior. Uh, at least the first couple story arcs were. And when it was brought over into uh, the U.S., it was published by Eclipse as Miracle Man. They couldn't call it Marvel Man right. for obvious reasons. Um, uh, what with Marvel being over here. But they called it Miracle Man. And um, every couple of issues, I think... The first trade maybe had four issues in it, um, and they were collected all the way up through issue 15. They were incredibly hard to get. Um, A Dream of Flying, I think, was the first trade, and uh, that one was probably the cheapest. And back in the day when I was trying to hunt it down, it was like 40 or $50. So those were really hard to get. Alan Moore, of course, is probably the most popular comic author of all time, maybe besides Stan Lee. But, right. Uh, and it was one of his best stories that you just couldn't read. You had to find a way to track it down. You had to download scans of it, you know, or something back in the 90s, or you had to hunt down the original right, issues. Right, exactly. So it was a tough one to get. The story was out of print. Nobody was publishing the trades. You had to buy them in the secondhand market, and they went for a lot of money. Well, Marvel got, it must have been back in, it was 2009 or 10 they announced they got the rights to it, but they called it Marvel Man back then. And as we know, they went back and they republished um, the 15 Alan Moore issues or 16 Alan Moore I'm sorry it was 16 issues but they republished all of them individually first and then they came up with hardcovers There's three hardcovers uh, to collect them and then there were some issues after that too uh, they've never finished the Neil Gaiman run and they could not call Alan Moore Alan Moore they had right. to call him the original writer <laughs> yep so if you buy those, it doesn't say Alan Moore's name anywhere on them. It does say, uh, you know, it's got Gary Leach and Alan Davis and, and yeah, and all the the artists that did it certainly. But that was an example of one that was lost for a while. That was like the perfect storm of uh, a, a mythical writer. Everybody loves Alan Moore. Everything he's done is is loved by someone. Well, and for those um, that that may be going, what all has Alan Moore written? Obviously, you have Miracle Man. You have V for Vendetta. Watchmen. Watchmen. Swamp Thing. Legend or League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. His, he had a, a great run on Supreme of all things. Right. I mean, He's well known for a, just a couple of issues, but some of the best Superman stories written. Everybody knows who Alan Moore is. Uh, well, he you basically never know. He basically uh, set the foundation for everything that Jeff Johns did in right. Green Lantern. Um but it, but anyway, that that's the best example of something where it is like uh, an unbelievably popular author. It's an in-demand storyline, and you just couldn't get the book. So that kind of thing happens every once in a while. And then the I would urge anyone who's interested in following that up, look into the history of uh, Miracle Man and Marvel Man and how even now apparently there's not, the rights still aren't, with the power of Disney's lawyers behind them, they may still not be 100% owned by Disney. 
Well, and uh, if you if you get into that and you want to read those issues, there's a kind of a companion. Was it Komoda? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I a have com- it in my office, and I've got there. it at my in my library at home. Kind of a companion piece that goes with those for more information. Yeah, it's K I M M O T A. It might just be one M, one M or two, one or the other. I think it's one M. But either way, so that's a great example of something like that. Um, now, Miracle Man is in print now by Marvel. The the trades or the hardcovers that Marvel put out do have a little bit of editing done to them mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. I think they edited the childbirth issue that at the time was rather graphic, but in an educational way. Um, so I think that there has been some editing done. So if you get the Marvel hardcovers, just be aware it. It's now 100% I, accurate to what Right. Now, was. I own the Marvel hardcovers. I own all the original issues, and I own the original trades. I've never sat down and compared the Marvel reprints to the originals. But I know for a fact that they did a couple uh, little edited bits. I think in one... I think there might have been one part in the first trade where Mike Moran's wife maybe had, like, a breast hanging out, and I think Marvel had to go in and, like, cover it up. Something like that. Sounds right. Uh, I think those were the Gary Leach issues, first couple issues. So they're edited a little bit. So uh, if you if you want the original Miracle Man or Marvel Man, as, as it was originally presented, you have to go back and you have to get the Eclipse collections of that. Um, so that, that fills in what you were talking about, about a company going out of business and yep. combined with a great writer. Yep. Now... We had mentioned earlier that there was a rather timely uh, topic that we've been talking about a lot. And let's just dive right into it. The company that is making... Headlines for the wrong reason? They're making... We'll we'll just be honest. They're making every single bad decision that a company could possibly make with regard to their collected editions. And that's DC. Right. And we have... If you go back to the genesis of us talking about comics on this podcast i mean really it, i think the first episode that we did after just explaining what we wanted to do is the dc roadshow yep and we sung dc's praises and we had a lot to say about what we thought marvel could do better yep marvel has turned the ship around so much <laughs> and dc has now become the the black sheep yep and uh they are i don't think that i'm exaggerating here when i say that they are probably as far as following up on solicited items they are the worst company in the entire medium i will say that yes they are the worst and caveat it with at least at least they do tell us that items are canceled there are publishers out there who have books that have been solicited two years ago that are still not yet to be delivered. Okay, but the the importance, or not the importance, the significance and broad appeal of those titles pale drastically in comparison to DC. So a great example of what you're talking about would be Heavy Metal, who like a year and a half ago was supposed to ship a book called Savage Sword of Jesus Christ that was a reprint of some stories in the monthly Heavy Metal magazine. They were taking periodicals combining them into a hardcover. Not not new content, existing content. 
and it never shipped. Right. It's never been released. I, I think you can go on Amazon and you can find a listing for it for $400 or whatever, but you're not going to get it. It's never been released. The content's not there. Um, it's It still has a listing on Diamond. So you can go on the Diamond website and you can pull it up. The shipping date is to be determined. Yep. You know, and sometimes they put in like a placeholder date of... 2022. Yeah. Or or if you go on Amazon, it's like 2098. Yep. They put in these weird placeholder dates. For the, you, you know if you see when it's the kiss of death, it'll never ship. Um, so when you see something like that with a publisher like Heavy Metal, and, and Heavy Metal has a lot of other issues right now. They keep replacing a lot of the top dogs. You know, it's been through how many like editor-in-chiefs or whatever and publishers. And I think companies like that, you kind of... it. It's not necessarily all that surprising when they... When something doesn't come out. Right, right. Whereas DC is a, is a different animal. DC is the, the number two publisher. Right. And some months they had been number one. So it's not far-fetched to expect them to follow through on their... Rarely. ...quote-unquote promises. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with, with DC, I want to... Let's go back and start from the top. The big one that started our kind of um, hyper-focus on their not following through on solicitations and, and even going so far as to to go back and kind of um, damn the solicitations that they themselves made would be the, as they called it, Shazam Monster Society, Society of Evil. Evil. The reprint of the classic 40s Captain Marvel storyline, which is the first sequential, like, periodical where it it was carried over from, it was 13 issues or something like that. It was the first comic book to to be continued in that... um, Issue to issue. Yeah, in that chapter fashion that we're used to today. And they said because of content... They weren't comfortable releasing this story. There was a character named Steamboat. And Dr. P.U. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of it had to do with... There was basically... There was cultural, racial, and sensitivities from the 1940s. Both both against our enemies, the Japanese, as well as cultural characteristics and stereotypes of African Americans. Now... Again, though, one of the pieces that you and I will hit on is that they didn't sit and dwell on these things. They didn't make fun of these characters for just that reason. Part of it was propaganda, mm-hmm. and part of it was just the cultural place that we were at as a country. Mm-hmm. Have we grown from there? Yes. Do we have to shun history? No. But we can use it as an example of saying, this is where we were. Look at where we are now. Well, you, yeah, you're right. But I think the... Um... Soapbox put away. No, you. I think you should be in that soapbox with regard to this particular topic. But I think the more important aspect to look at is: Do you remember what also came out around the same time that that book was supposed to be released? Is that the slap, the Marvel slap cover? No, it was the Shazam movie. Oh, oh, I, I was thinking. At no, the time no, no, when no. The Shazam book was originally published. No, I'm talking. You're about talking about when that this hardcover reprint, was to be released. when that was supposed yes. to come out. Right. They had Shazam lined up in the pipeline. Yeah. So some guy at Warner Brothers probably looked or, at that. Or gal. Some guy or gal. Some individual. said, either way, they were a bean counter or an attorney, and they said, 
we can't have this muddying up the waters with our movie that we're putting out. Uh, we can't release this product. Right. So uh, they they went back and they canceled it and um, led to us refunding people. Yep. Giving literally handing taking money that was paid to us to pre-order a book and giving it back. DC is the only company that that has ever made us do that. Now, let's jump forward to uh, the next book that they did that with. Detective, Detective Comics, Comics Before Batman. Now, this was supposed to be... A two hardcover It was two set. hardcovers in a slipcase. Yep. Okay. Issues it, 1 through 26 one of through, Detective yeah, Comics. Correct. The All the content that was released in Detective, so we're talking Slam Bradley, um, Fu Manchu, all the stuff that came out before Batman. In a giant premium, one hundred and fifty dollar box set, where no one is buying that, no one's just going to walk into a store and buy that product without having any idea about what it what it is. You know, it's right. a hundred and fifty dollar reprint of content from the late thirties, right, and early forties, and DC canceled it because of the content. They said that that content was not reflective of what they wanted to release. Now the problem is this. Whether you agree with their stance on releasing the content or not, the issue is that it, at some point, someone came up with the idea of making it. Another person did a mock-up of what it was going to look like in these two hardcovers in a slipcase. It was then given to Diamond. Diamond made the solicitation. It was cleared to go not only through Diamond, but into the DC physical copy of previews. Went through initial orders. Went through initial orders. Orders were taken from in the store here. We we took a lot of orders for it. And we both put an order in for a personal copy. Now, they have never released all of this, re-released all of this product. Correct. In one sitting. So it was for a lot of the people that we have that buy... That old material, this is a, a big event for yep. them. And again, I want to stress this is not a, a $5 monthly that's going to be sitting on the rack. This is a $150 two hardcover slipcase. It's going to show up sealed mm-hmm. where the people that are buying it have an idea what, what it is. DC canceled it. They made. They waited until the last minute and... All the people involved from the genesis of this reprint at point A all the way up through giving it to Diamond to take orders for, um, it was one hand not knowing what the other was doing. DC canceled it. I think it was from a conversation that I had with someone. I think it was Dan DiDio that canceled it. Mm-hmm. And... Um, well, hell, here, I'll tell you. So I had my own private... Con- well, I had a conversation with Dan DiDio about some of this stuff at a at a show. And um, I was venting about how, at our store, Marvel sales are dramatically higher than DC. Especially in collected editions. We sell far more Marvel than we do DC. And I was... Um, and I, I wanted to have a legitimate... Now, Dan DiDio had, at this show... Uh, this was at GalaxyCon in Minnesota, where I was set up with a booth. Now, he had, in the middle of the show, decided to have a retailer feedback meeting. Now, again, this is a a, a big show in Minneapolis. 
If you've never been to Minneapolis, uh, it was at the Minneapolis Convention Center, which is a really cool convention center. Uh, this is on a Friday at 12 noon. We're packed. I'm running a booth. I can't just leave to go and do a DC uh, Talk back Q&A session, with yeah. Dan DiDio, which is sort of uh, representative about how uh, DC chooses to run things these days where they want to have this retailer feedback. They could have had it before the show started. They could have had it after the show started. They could have had it any other, you know, they could have had it Thursday before the show started. The show was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They had it Friday in the middle of the day, the busiest part of the day when we can't leave a booth. Well, my friend who also happens to have a store in in this state uh, who I was sharing an island with, I said, why don't you go pass some feedback on. I'll stay here with a friend of mine and, and we'll run both booths, which we did. And I'll give you some feedback that, that you should give to Dan DiDio, uh, to kind of convey what, what I'm feeling and, um, you know, and tell them that if they would have maybe thought this through a little bit more, that they could have had more people that, that have valuable feedback to give them. Uh, but, but tell Dan that, you know, I'd like to talk to him. And, uh, if, if he's got time later that I'd love to meet with him and give him some of my thoughts. So, uh, this thing ended up going for two and a half hours. They had a lunch, they had a PowerPoint, you know, a slideshow. It just, it went on and on and on right in the middle of the show. So long story short, the guy that, that went to the, the DC presentation came back and kind of filled me in. He said, well, Dan said they know that they had a lot of problems with their collected edition uh, department, but they're they're looking at making some big changes for the upcoming year. And um, a lot of the stuff that you complained about, he said we know about it. We're gonna we're gonna work on it. And I don't mean this whole episode to turn into a DC bashing fest, but I think collected editions. No, we're gonna are... move over to Marvel. <laughs> we well, it'll Not be. We're not gonna bash. It's them, gonna but... be a lot smaller section. I can tell you that. <laughs> But anyway, he's, he said that there, we're aware of a lot of this stuff and we're going to work on it, blah, blah, blah. Um, so at one point, I uh, was able to go meet up with Dan DiDio and talk to him one-on-one about it. Um, you, it's it's a good thing that you were able to wedge in when you did, though, because I'm sure he was swamp signing copies of Metal Men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or uh, OMAC. Uh, anyway... So I, I went over and, and I was as diplomatic and nice about this as I could be. But I, I said, you know, here's the deal, Dan. I said, we, the breakdown of our store right now, it's heavily marble. And it didn't always, it wasn't always this way. You know, we, we were a 50-50 split. And collected editions are a big part of it. So you're the only company that's making us hand money back to customers. He didn't have much to say about it. He told me that they knew that they were that the collected editions were losing money uh, for DC. They were losing a lot of money. So they were making a lot of decisions. I said, well, that's all well and good. I understand that. But I said, the issue here is, I know you guys are, are, you're saying you're losing money, but we're the ones that are taking orders for your product. And you're canceling the items and you're making us take money out of a drawer and hand them back to customers that have ordered your product. Why is that happening? Why does hand number A not know what hand B is doing when hand A you know, solicits this book or comes up with this idea? And he's like, well, the whole collected edition department needs to be redone. And 
he went through this whole spiel that I've heard before and, and I haven't seen any real changes. I'll tell you the one that really um that really got me irritated was Starman from the nineties, the James Robinson series. One of my favorite series of all time. Really great series. They just solicited now Starman has been out of print in trades and hardcovers for years. If you've never read Starman, you're missing it. It's a great series. Um, they solicited what they were calling Starman, the Cosmic Omnibus. It was going to be two omnibus that would collect the entire run, all the tie-ins, everything. Now, that was big. And I know we had like um, six or seven orders for this omnibus just in store. I don't know about mail order. It was about that. If Yeah, it was about that. So let's just say, a let's thousand. round it down and say 12 for a $150 omnibus. Well, they canceled it, but they shadow canceled it. They didn't announce it. They just said or the 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 item code just vanished from Diamond. Mm-hmm. So, all of the people that we had people coming into the store saying, "Hey, we heard a rumor and they heard it on a, a collected edition message board or they heard it on the Starman Reddit that this omnibus was canceled." But nobody told them. Nobody told us. Right. To the point where I went on the DC retailer board, where you have to have a store to get onto this retailer board. And I said, hey, can, can someone from DC please tell me what's going on with this Starman omnibus? Because we noticed that the item code has been removed from Diamond. It's been removed from Amazon. It's been removed from Previews World. What's happening with this? We had many orders for this. Do you know what DC, You know, do you know what their answer was? Nothing. They chose not to respond to it at all. Um, so this is a chronic issue with them. They are, they're choosing to solicit these things, take orders, and then not print them. Now, Dan DiDio did a Q&A again recently where he was talking about how they're going to redo the entire collected editions department, how... Um, they know that they, they've been having issues in 2018 that their collected edition sales were way down. And, uh, Probably 20, would have helped if they would have followed through with actually publishing what they had solicited. Maybe release some of the damn books <laughs> that we take money for. That so will, That will instantly up your sales. Right. Well, now 2019, he says, well, sales were, were up a little bit in 2019 for our collected uh, editions. Before I, I touch on that whole point, I want to go into the other big issue that and this is going to this is going to be a really great link into the other company. DC has decided, I believe spearheaded by Didio, as he said, that they have started to change the trade dress on their omnibus. So if you've got volumes 1, 2 and 3 of the world's finest omnibus, volume 4 is going to look completely different. It will not look the same on your shelf as it does next to volumes one two and three house of secrets volume two omnibus just came out it has full spine art as opposed to the original right color banded top and bottom with a middle icon there's no trade dress there is that like you said the full art it looks completely different now a lot of the people on the dc board said we are losing sales because a when you solicited this book it, it was with it was with this image. Still is on Diamond. It, yeah, previous. which is going to line up with the other $100 books that people decided to buy from you. What we got in, what we were shipped, the product does not match what was solicited. We have people here that 
A, don't want to pay for the books that they ordered. B, aren't going to buy the shelf copies that we bought because they look like a mess compared to the, the other volumes. And C, they want to know what do I have to do to just get a dust jacket mm-hmm. where I can put it on this $100 book that I bought and make it make at it least fit. uniform. Like make it uniform with yeah. everything else. So that's been a question that, that's really been asked of DC quite a bit and asked of DiDio. Um, and in the most recent uh, Q&A, he told everyone to move on. Just move move on from it. It's not going to happen. It. Get over it, he says. Um, so, you know, our I'll tell you right now, our faith in DC's Collected Editions Department, as much as the guy in charge is saying that it's getting turned around, this is the the. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. It's getting much worse. Now I want to. Now his his example given is what he said. the The reason that they're that they're changing it is that they're stale. They're old. They're stale. Um, they need to switch it up. They need to have different looking trade dress on the shelf to catch people's eye. Let's go to Marvel. I'm going to tie it back to DC, but let's go to Marvel's Omnibus. Something which I own a lot of. I do too. <laughs> like, Marvel's omnibus are all uniform. Yep. Red you bar look, on top, red bar on bottom, black right. in the middle with white lettering spine. Has that uniformity ever hurt the sales of a Marvel omnibus for us? No. No. You know what actually has helped the sales of our Marvel omnibus? Tell me. They left the spine the same, and they've started doing direct market covers that feature predominantly classic art on the cover that amazon doesn't have barnes and noble doesn't have only direct market stores that has actually helped us significantly the direct and now here's the cool thing about the direct market ones those are the ones that eventually will go out of print yep now all the any of the the trade dress may go out of print for marvel omnibus the direct market ones go out of print first bang like that. so if you want to get that cool direct market silver surfer you better buy it when it comes out right now DC doesn't have; they don't offer anything like that. Marvel's omnibus. We, if you were to come into our store, we have a lot of trades. We have, yeah, maybe more trades in an average shop, mm-hmm. um, both Marvel and DC. But we have far more Marvel than we do DC. That's a conversation for another day, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I would say that we have twice as many Marvel trades as we do DC between trades and hardcovers. Yeah. I would say yes, because we have the same amount of shelves, but our Marvel shelves are double high, essentially. Yeah, so, correct. Yeah. Uh, well, and then all the double stuff that we have. Footage. And we also have a large section in our back room yep. for our overstock, overstock trades and hardcovers, and it's, there's not a single DC trade on it's, it. It's 95% Marvel. Marvel and 5% random publishers. Yeah. I think it's like 5% Avatar, actually, <laughs> which probably, we'll get to because yep. that factors in really well yep. Um, yep, yep, yep. to this whole conversation. But anyway, the Marvel trades, Marvel Omnibus, Mar- oh, Marvel Omnibus specifically being uniform, they look unbelievable. I own mm-hmm. probably 35 to 40 Marvel Omnibus. They look great. Yep. The DC Omnibus... There's nothing to make you want. There's there's nothing that makes you want to have a bookshelf full of DC omnibi, omnibus. We've had this discussion before. Yeah, I, I think the plural is omnibus. Is omnibi a word? It's like moose, moose and moose. You don't say mooses <sighs> or niece. 
Yeah, I don't. I think it's omnibus and omnibus. Whatever it is. Uh, we could go into this for half an hour. <laughs> Mar- Marvel wants... The way that they make their books makes you want to have a shelf of them. Exactly. They, they look clean, they look sharp, and they're right. consistent. If DC wants... This is the thing I don't understand. Again, if they say that we need something to catch people's eye on a shelf, I don't think they understand... I really don't think they understand how people that collect trades and hardcovers and collect editions and my god how about people that just collect books work you don't want to have a a, a shelf that looks like um a, a circus you want to have that's, stuff that that's long been the bane of manga readers and collectors existence is that each right. publisher has a slightly different form factor and size and totally if you, if you some people are very uh i want to alphabetize my collection so i go alpha and then numeric right but if you put say i'm just gonna pull random things but if you put two of your manga trades next or two of your manga volumes next to one another you throw a black butler up there next to your death note they're gonna be completely different sizes and it looks wonky and so do you go by publisher then alphabetical and numerical then you got a's and and a's have so typically people that are setting up their own libraries they want that nice clean and consistent view and and myself I have every one of the Batman Golden Age Omnibus thus far. And if they change the trade dress, I'm probably still going to get them, but I'm not going to be very happy because I literally have 65% of a bookshelf that is just this straight, clean-looking run, and I'm going to have these goofy-looking ones on the Well, air. they're going to do one of two things. You're either going to get it with a different trade dress, or they're just going to stop putting it out. Right, and that's the bigger fear that I have at this point. Yeah. Um, so again, Marvel... Has Marvel embraces uh, a certain degree of uniformity with their Omnibuy. Now the the logo might look different. Your Master of Kung Fu logo on the on the spine is going to look like the Master of Kung Fu right. logo. Daredevil's going to have, but the, it's the Daredevil action, right? Yeah, but it's black background, like you yep. said, omnibus red omnibus on the top, on the bottom. It looks you could take any one hundred Marvel omnibus and. You could put them on a shelf, and you're going to know what it is looking at it, and they're going to look beautiful next to each other. Yep. The DC ones, it's it's not going to happen. They can't even make the same books in the same title look the same. And that is, and this is the biggest thing that we want people to understand. We're not we're not just complaining out of aesthetics as collectors. We're saying, as a business, it's hurting sales. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, the, it's there's no trust. it's preventing people from being exposed to the material right. if you collected if you're somebody who never read we have a lot of people just because people are buying premium material doesn't mean that they've read it before if you're buying a hundred dollar we have a lot of world's finest great example we have people every once in a while they'll buy like a world's finest trade they've never read world's finest if you're in your 20s and you're buying a silver age world finest trade you didn't grow up reading that uh but you're reading this material for the first time because it, because you're selling people. There's a whole group of people that buy Omnibus because they embrace the format. They love how it looks. They read the material because of the format, not vice versa. So I think that DC is doing themselves a major, major disservice by... By cutting that format out. Um, whereas with Marvel, now we get people every once in a while that'll buy a Marvel omnibus and 
they'll even tell us that they're buying the Marvel Omnibus, not necessarily to read, but because they need to complete the run. So they might they might have bought Master of Kung Fu Volume 1. Maybe they, they've read Volume 1, they go, okay, it was pretty good. They bought Volume 2, they never read it. But Volume 3 comes out and they go, well, I've got Volumes 1 and 2, might as well buy Volume 3. So they buy Master of Kung Fu Volume 3. It's a $125 book, but they buy it because they want to have the whole set. So they don't even have to they don't even have to read the material to buy it if it's if it's Marvel. With DC, they are completely alienating themselves from that entire market. That entire market that collects something that collects omnibus because of the format. So I and on top of that, DC's starting to build a track record of not completing their collected editions. They've how many times have you restarted one of those well, that's a great One of those point. runs of Green Lantern, they've restarted three times and never finished it. Well, it's no, it's a great point. I mean, how many... If you know that there's a 50% chance that the DC Omnibus that you're putting an order in for is not actually ever going to get made or published, well, are you? how often are you going to put an order in for one anymore? Right. And then what happens is it's a domino effect because they canceled the Starman Omnibus, the Monster Society of Evil, Justice League Bronze Age Volume 4 and Detective Before Batman, you go, well, hell, I'm not going to put an order in for the next three omnibus because they're not even going to put it out. And then Dan DiDio gets on a, a video conference and says, we only got half the amount we need to make this book publishable. Well, stop soliciting books you're not going to publish then. Right. I mean, it, it is... We are... I'm probably, uh, I'm probably more mad about it right now than you are because of these conversations, the conversation that I had with the DL and okay. And here's the other thing when they solicited, now I should have known better. I should have known better, but when they solicited the Starman cosmic omnibus, I brought my run of Starman into the shop, put it in the back issue bins, the whole run, every one shot, every mini series, the Hellboy tie in all that stuff. And then they cancel it. And guess what? We've already sold almost the entire thing out of the bin, so my my Starman run is gone. Again, I should have known with their track record that something like this would happen, but I didn't. Whatever. Uh, so I'm mad about the whole thing. I don't own because again, the Starman trades are out of print. Starman hardcovers are out of print. The omnibus is not going to come out. I'm going to have to track the whole damn thing down again if I want to read the story, because I will not read digital. So. So I'm mad about it. I'm mad about their about all of their practices. I'm mad about DC, uh, and that. But that's just one company. <laughs> yeah, that's just one company. <laughs> so, weigh in, please. Oh, do I jump on the the hate bus here? Oh, yeah, totally. I don't think there's too much more that I can honestly add without just being repetitive, other than to say that it's indicative of a company that is failing that will not put its money where its mouth is in the sense of when something is solicited from Marvel in a collected edition format it comes out it comes every out. time it sees the light of day it may not have the highest amount of orders but it comes out and Marvel has been keeping those things um keeping steady with that now for a long time let me cut you're right and I I want to back up your point here what do you? Th- which omnibus would you expect to sell more copies between 
Deadly Hands of Kung Fu Omnibus Volume 3, reprinting Marvel Kung Fu magazines from the 70s, or Volume 1 of the Starman Omnibus. By James Robinson, in, one of the most important <laughs> DC books of the 90s. In a vacuum, I would say James Robinson, but given DC's track record, I think you... I mean... Well, because I can tell you which one came out. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the but, thing. But I can How also can... tell you which one we both ordered and which one we didn't. Right. How come yeah. Marvel can put books like that, they can solicit a book like that, and it will come out. Yeah. And not only will it come out, but like you said earlier, it's going to come out with the regular trade dress and a direct market variant. Yep. That that makes it worth a comic store ordering because yeah. it will go out of print. Well, and it's one of those things where as a comic store, you can feel confident in saying, well, I want to buy two for the shelf. I'll buy the two direct market ones because yeah. I know someone coming in isn't going to go, can you price match Amazon? Well, no, because it's not an exact product match. Right. If you want this cover, you have to pay the premium for the direct market. But right. but that's my question. How can, how can Marvel apparently put a book like that out every time they solicit it, it comes out, and DC can't follow through on at least half of their omnibus right now? Let's let's take this and twist it and go a little bit farther. Oh, please. How can Marvel support both the omnibus collections that are coming out... And the Masterworks? And the Epics. Oh! Probably the best format of books right now, if you're and, just getting into reading and trades. And the Masterworks. And the Masterworks. They're still putting those out. <laughs> yeah. 75 to 100 bucks a piece, 100 to $125 for your omnibus, and $40 for your Epics. They can manage to keep all three of those things going. Right. And, and by going, I mean solicitation publication sellout reprint it 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 just happens over and over and how is it that they can do that well to me it's because they're saying yeah we may have to store this masters of kung fu volume three omnibus in the in diamond for a year and a half but you know what it's there and if somebody wants it we've got it to a point but at the same time look at look at conan volume two (laughs) <laughs> which so which was sold, sold out. out day of release the, right i mean i we had we put in advanced in, or we put in reorders ahead of the product coming into the store and it was, and sold, it was out. sold out we couldn't get it conan volume two now we i had love damages conan. we couldn't get replaced yeah i love conan you're a conan fan we have a lot of conan fans in the store we have some amazing conan fans a as, conan as omnibus sold out both the direct market and variant the and the regular variant yeah. And meanwhile, DC's canceling um, a, a Captain Marvel collection when a damn movie's coming out. Oh, mind I mean, you that on. what it's reprinting sells for $400 on the secondary market. Remember, though, <laughs> publishers never look at the secondary market. Of course not. Why except, would you ever do that? Except for Marvel. Marvel does. Who just reprinted. Now, let's... Hold I'm on. Well, I gotta, no, I gotta, go, I gotta start before this. Yeah, go ahead. So, what we're gonna get into are some of the things that Marvel has just resolicited... And has actually started publishing. We just received one a couple weeks ago. But to preface that beforehand, about a year ago, I was traveling for my regular job in New York City. And there was a couple of omnibus that I literally got within a couple of days, emails from different customers saying, hey, do you have this in the store? Because I'm interested in getting it. They happen to be the Annihilation Omnibus, Silver Surfer Volume 1, which is the first 18-issue volume of Silver Surfer. Those were the two, the two big ones right off the bat. So what I did was I looked, obviously, Diamond was sold out. Both of those books were going for multiple hundreds of dollars on the secondary market. 
So I sent it. Annihilation email. was like it was a three fifty to four hundred dollar omnibus. Like three hundred. Yeah. Yeah. The only one that came close to that was uh, the Joe Kelly Deadpool, uh, which the, was the bigger one. Listed was Infinity Gauntlet. Yes. Now what you're gonna say? Uh, I I did three years ago mm-hmm. when I sent a message to David Gabriel talking about Annihilation. So I sent an email saying, "Hey, we're getting pinged again about these, with the excitement of the movies." With just the way that the the market is going right now, I think that was kind of on the cusp of Donny Cates doing Thanos, and then we had some of the inkling of Silver Surfer well, Black. Well, you said that Annihilation Scourge book too. Well, this no, I'm talking a year ago. I'm talking oh, a yeah, year yeah, ago when I sure. sent the email. Okay. So things are starting to heat up. So I sent David an email saying, "Hey, not sure if you guys are planning on anything, but please add another check mark to the box to say we would like to have these back in print." And let's just preface this by saying the most receptive publisher in comics Marvel. is the publisher of the biggest company in comics, yeah. David Gabriel, yep. who you, now people people will damn Marvel's variant uh, approach. But I will say that there is nobody in the industry, and I'm going to count even the smaller publishers that we are in great terms with. Oh, yeah. But David Gabriel from marvel has been better to us than anybody in in the entire industry with regard to and over our tenure of owning the store with with regard to everything from okay let's i'm gonna i'm gonna throw a couple at you first off i i sent him a message about something that led to the creation of a variant variant cover cover, a virgin variant for fantastic four number one um the phoenix resurrection the art germ well, he did. You did. A, well, I didn't. I didn't have anything to do with that. You sent him an email about having a one in two hundred because we were pre-selling so much. Uh, no, that was Fantastic Four number one. There was a different one, I think, too. You had two. I but, chalk you up with two wins. Well, I'll, I'll take it. But you know, he. But everything so he from gets, that damage replacements, where we had a one in fifty that was damaged, and Diamond was out. Oh, we had. Here's another great one. We had one time. Where uh, we were supposed to have gotten a, I can't remember, it was it was like a 1 in 50 or 1 in 100 Marvel variant. And Diamond, for whatever reason, had sent us a DC variant. Yeah. We contact David Gabriel. Marvel is out. He sends us, from the Marvel office, his desk a replacement copy. copy. Yeah, his copy. A desk copy of that. It's It, it went out like the next day, FedEx yep. to us. Yep. Now, to be fair, DC has done the same thing for us. When we've been in a pinch, we've reached out, and they've sent us some stuff. Some great guys like Stuart. Stuart, Adam. Adam. Fantastic people. But as far as an actual publisher, Uh who is your interface? Like, we're talking the Dan DiDio publisher, Jim Lee publisher. Like, that's the kind of level that David Gabriel is. Well, and remember that Gabriel is both of those guys put together. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, well, he's not editorial he's but the but the dio publishing and, right and exactly or whatever direct mar- um whereas whereas the dio is kind of the um cb sibulski equivalent right of? no cb is just editor-in-chief he's he's he, publisher in dc and publisher in marvel mean two different things dio is the guy that cancels all the books people order <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um, anyways i send my email to david and he gets back to me and he says no plans at the moment to reprint those but thanks for the information. I'm going to take note of it. Well, all of a sudden, I get an email six, seven months later. It wasn't an email straight to me. It was a reply from my original email six, seven months ago saying, heads up, 
Keep an eye out in the latest previews. I think you'll be very happy. And I showed that to you, yeah. and we were kind of like, what? And then, like, two days later, previews comes, and there it is. Annihilation and Silver Surfer coming back in print in omnibus form. I mean, he didn't even, he didn't have to send anything. No. But to even go back to the original email tells me that not only did he take note, he saved that for some reason and replied to me. And I we mean, ordered a bunch of copies. I think we hit close to two dozen of, of each of those. Like, I mean, ridiculous number of omnibus right out of the gate for us. So, uh, that's a great example, though, of them doing two different things. One, he responded to our interests. Immediately. And, and a lot of people's interests. Two, well, three different things then. Two, the secondary market showed that that book was selling for three to yep. $400. Yep. If the book's selling for that much, that means there would be demand for that book at the $125 level. And they know that. And they right. recognize that. So they said, you know, most publishers will never look at the secondary market. It's not in their it's not in their best interest to look at the secondary market. It can be because, a false leader for them. Well, because on what the secondary market, they're not making money on the secondary market. Right. They're but, not But a smart publisher is gonna look at what you just said right. and say we're missing out on profit. Correct. There's clearly pent up demand. And they said we're planning events far enough out in advance. <laughs> not something like five G that's causing half of our staff to quit or protest. But we have this little mini event called Annihilation Scourge. You know what would be great to be released along with a new Annihilation series? The original Annihilation. Right. So they planned that out long enough or far enough in advance. And sure enough, it came out. We sold a bunch of them. We even had... We even had... Um, well, did you get a copy of the Omnibus? I did. And I had two people order two copies okay, of the Omnibus. So that is literally every one of us except for Sam that ordered <laughs> or that got a copy of the Annihilation Omnibus. And I have the original trades that were out of print, and I have the original issues. I own Annihilation three times over, but I wanted to own that omnibus. Uh, so Marvel is unbelievably receptive to... Now, you have mentioned the Epic Collections. Oh, my God. That, those are um, so good. What was the Surfer one that they just re-released? One Calls Galactus. One Calls Galactus. This is the like, second release. There's also a Cosmic Spider-Man one. I think it's Epic yeah. Volume 20 in the Amazing Spider-Man run. That When Calls Galactus was like 70 or 80 bucks on the secondhand market. Yeah. They did. Now, this was even in previews that they were doing a reprint of it. Yep. And it and you had months to put an order in for this reprint if you wanted it. Yep. It comes out the day it came out, the day that the book was released, and we ordered sold a bunch out. of copies, sold out. And it's back to commanding above MSRP yep. on the secondary market. But... Marvel gave people months, if you wanted that book, to go back and place an order for it. Whether it's through us or somebody else, yep. you could put an order in for that for that collection, that yep. reprint when it came out. You could get it. Oh, I just thought of something else we have to hit on. Oh, hit me. Back orders and how one publisher uses them versus the other. So, well, both claim to use them. Yeah, but one... Okay, so... In Diamond, when you place an order, you have the ability to order the product that's in stock. You also have the ability to say, uh, d- designate whether you want to put something on back order or not. Yeah. So generally, our practice is to say no to the back order for the simple reason of we have inherited the store and a Diamond account and have randomly had books show up from eight years ago that were put on back order that miraculously reappear that we never ordered but well, start showing it's, up. It's not just 
books. It was <laughs> items too. I mean, we had one guy postcard that, set. No, we, hell, that was a weird <laughs> one too. Um, we yeah we we're we're in we're in the middle of rural Wisconsin, and apparently somebody had ordered something some set of New York postcards or art, something like that. Some artsy New York. City. Well, here's they were cool, but they were <laughs> yeah. Uh, which unbelievably somebody actually bought one time but um uh the the biggest one was we had without going too inside baseball there was one of the old employees uh pre us at the store that ended up making it onto a uh government list of people you don't run around want around your children um who was in prison at the time we got the store and uh Six or seven months after that, now we had gone in and tried to purge orders for things. Actually, yep. it was way after that because the guy it showed up after he got out of the clink, which was far, <laughs> far after six months. It was it's a, not funny, but it's entertaining. It was a giant Sailor Moon like tiara or something that that was in the back of a previous catalog. Apparently, this guy really liked Sailor Moon. In addition to other things. And uh, and it was not cheap. It was like two hundred and seventy dollars. <laughs> yeah. And this thing shows up. <laughs> and it, the worst part is a lot of that back half of preview stuff. The margin is like fifteen percent or less. So and, our and cost the, was like two hundred and forty dollars on it. And there's no FOC. So once yeah. you place that order, it is in usually. So this thing was like well over a year old, and it and then all of a sudden it shows up. Well, we're not. We didn't want. We didn't let him in to the store anymore. Obviously, he's clearly had no income because he's been a little preoccupied with right. other things. So we had to sell it online, and we lost money. So every once in a while, you put orders in, you can put a back order in, and then some. You get this magic thing that'll show up a year later, way now, after the fact of it a being lot, useful. Here's here's there are two ways. Well, there are three ways back orders get filled. One of them is if the company decides to to, to do another printing of it. Yep, um, that's the, some, the most, the easiest way. Right, to and do. that doesn't mean that it's a second print. Right, that means it could be a trade that they go back and they do another print of, and then they fill orders, whatever. It could be that they they can move they product could, from one warehouse to another. Yeah, or they could run another first print. They could say, "We've got all these extra covers we printed. We need to print guts to go in them." Still technically a first print, if they want to. You can. A lot of times. If a book, the week that it's released in Diamond, it'll show that it's back-ordered, not stocked. But it won't be out of stock. It won't have the little, the what do you call the Ghostbusters sign. symbol? The the no sign? The no sign where there's normally a ghost behind it. But it's just the no, like a yeah. no smoking sign without the cigarette. If you get that, you're not getting it. Right. It, that means it's, it's kaput. But if you get back-ordered, not stocked, what that means is, at least for a lot of the, the bigger companies... Marvel and DC especially, there's a certain... Marvel a lot more than DC. Yeah. There's a certain amount of overprint that is set aside to cover... Damage and shortage. Damage and shortage. So you generally... They'll give it about a week for the the, the retailers to claim their damages and shortages. So let's say that... Um, I don't know. Let's do Amazing Spider-Man. Let's say that Amazing Spider-Man sells 65,000 copies per issue. And they print another 2,000 copies to cover damages and shortages. Those are set aside. If there's only 1,000 copies that are claimed for damages and shortages, 
then those thousand will go in and in the order that back orders were placed, they will fill back orders. Right. Um, and that is generally, that means a lot of times you could place a back order for something and you might see it two weeks later. Yeah. Um, when they when they effectively release those from the hold that they're in. The other way that you can get a back order, and this is the way, and this happens sometimes, and, and this is uh, the absolute worst way that a back order can get filled. Uh. We just had a bunch of these that, that uh, or at least I did, that showed up today. The other way that a back order gets filled, if you... Uh, so you, you put an order in through Diamond. Uh, let's say you place a back order. And uh, it shows up as back order, and it doesn't tell you if it's going to fill or not. But you just place an order. You hit submit. It's a status back order. Now, let's say that you're a store in New Jersey. And you get a bunch of um, Walking Dead trades. Okay, Walking Dead Volume 29. Well, let's say that you get your Walking Dead trades, you put your store sticker on them, and you put them out on the shelf, and uh, somebody at the store says, "Hey, uh, hey, Bill, you know Walking Dead got canceled. We probably shouldn't order those trades." Bill might call up Diamond and go, "Hey, my trades showed up damaged." So Diamond will say, "Oh, uh, what's the what is the damage to your trades?" And they might go, "Oh, well, they're." Uh, uh, corners are crushed, and then he'll go uh, go over there, and uh, the corners showed up crushed. So he'll crush the corners. He'll send them back to Diamond. Guy at Diamond will look at them, and when they get the return label and the and the box of returns, this is a highly intelligent Diamond yeah. employee. Uh, well, this is half the ones that we deal with. Okay, so, so they'll look at it and they'll go, <laughs> "Hey, this looks new. We just got these items in, and there are." 900 outstanding back orders for it. Let's fill the back orders. So three months later, your back order for Walking Dead Volume 29 gets filled, and you get nine uh, damaged trades that have another store's sticker print, uh, printed out on them. You get charged for them. And then you call up Diamond, you go, hey, what the heck's going on here? I just got these obviously used books that are damaged with another store's uh, sticker. And they go, Oh, we're sorry to hear that. Do you want to return them? Are you going to claim them as damage? We go, well, yeah, of course. We can't put these out and sell them in our store. So then we, we send them back, and we think, problem solved. <laughs> and they go now the some store one. in Nevada gets them. <laughs> yeah. So today, I got a bunch of uh, replacements for some toys that showed up completely screwed back in November. Uh, I don't know how it happened, but the ones that we got today are actually in good shape. Some of them had stickers on them, but they're in better shape than the originals we got. So I'm going to keep them. But that is the the, the third way that back orders get filled. Yep. If other stores return product yep. that was otherwise sold out, and then Diamond says, well, we can fill the back orders. Well, sometimes publishers have multiple warehouses for their products. So they have the Diamond warehouse. But in the case of like a, a Titan, who is actually a UK-based company, yeah. they will have a warehouse in the United <laughs> Kingdom that they can shift product into America with. And we've had that happen a couple of times where we've reached out to them. I think IDW we reached out to, and it might have been one or two other publishers where we just said, hey, this is out of stock at Diamond, but we see it's available both on your web store or on Amazon. And they've they've either sent us directly a copy. Props to Boom. Yeah. Boom Studios has done that, and they're, they're, they're really good about it. Yeah. 
Um, so, so back orders are can be filled in a bunch of different ways, but the two different publishers, the big two, treat back orders slightly differently. Both can use them as an indicator for demand. Marvel, of course, uses a lot of other indicators, such as what's going on in their books, what's going on in their film franchise, what's happening on the secondary market, and most importantly, what are retailers verbally or typing to them, telling them they need. We, over the past, I'd say, 18 months, have been getting it beaten into our heads from D.C., that if you want a book to be reprinted, whether it's a single issue or a trade, you have to place a back order. Yeah. And the constant <clears throat> reply from not us, but from other retailers in which we would agree and join with them in saying is we are gun shy of putting in a back order reorder because you're not going to go back and print it right away when I need it. You're going to print it after you hit a certain threshold, which could be nine months later. And at that point, nobody cares about far right. sector number one because they can't get far sector number four. No, that's totally true, and I guess this is getting off collected editions, but uh, but it's a the biggest. It's a, it happens with collected. But the biggest elephant in the room, too. and this is what I, we'll go back to our favorite publisher right now. Um, DC announced this stupid policy where they were going to do final printings. Ugh. Order however many final a, a, a book it's that the you last need. time this will be printed. It's a final printing. Not Damn it. again. Final printing. Get over it. Move on. If you need... Do- <laughs> Sorry. I had to. If you need Doomsday Clock number five, and you already sold out of the, the first print, and then uh, you didn't order much of the second print, final print. This is the final printing. You hear me? We're not going to do it again. So you order a bunch. Okay. Well, I'm going to... I've still got five on the shelf of the second print. So I'll order three of the final printing. Well, then... Uh, you sell out of Doomsday Clock 5 because uh, there were a lot of people for Doomsday Clock that decided we're going to wait until the entire series is out to come pick it up. And since the... Oh, this was just announced, by the way. You heard it here uh, first, folks. Um, The all-in-one Doomsday Clock collected edition will not be out until the end of the year this year. So if you haven't read it yet... uh, Put on a pot of tea and wait. (laughs) <laughs> or you're going to have to go out and scrounge up whatever printings you can find at stores and good luck finding stores that have all of them. I think, now correct me if I'm wrong, but is issue three the one where they've never done a, even a second printing of it? I know there was one. There's I think one. it's issue three and they've never even done a second print. Even because though the it's B sold cover out. was still in stock for well, a while. Whatever, whatever their reason was. Um, that's one where... Okay, I could see where they would say when issue six of Doomsday Clock was out. When they had initially, and this actually, this is a great example. This feeds back into collected editions. Doomsday Clock, when it was first announced, um, we were told two things. We were told, one, you better order high because this book's going to be giant. Content-wise, spec-wise, like this is going to be the book repercussions to the dc universe sequel to Watchmen. it's yep. by jeff johns it's the big dc event you got to order high the demand for this is going to be huge and, and admittedly before and the book came out yes absolutely we had people we'd never seen or heard before come in saying i heard there's gonna be a new Watchmen." we ordered like 200 some copies our now, ups driver even commented on that's it. right uh and, and, and his comment was ah, maybe once it's all out i'll take a look at it well good news <laughs> he doesn't have to buy Oops. anything for another year um <laughs> And then the other thing that we were told by DC 
who, uh, of course, always tells the truth with their collected editions, was you order high in addition to the reasons we just told you because we are not going to release the collected version of this book until, until the entire thing is out. And it'll be a one-volume And it's going to be one volume. Well, last year they decided, guess what? We lied again. Yep. And we're going to release a hardcover that's got volumes or that's got issues one, one through six. six. And wasn't then, didn't it come out the same time as issue ten or something? No, nah, it came out. Uh, well, I don't remember when it came out. Gaps and delays. Either way, that then gave DC the reason, the excuse that they needed to say, "We're not going to re- reprint any of the first six issues because just by the trade or by, by the, the trade edition, which does me no good if I still have twenty five copies of issue one." 20 copies of issue 2, no 3, and then a bunch of the final printing of 4, 5, and 6. What good does a hardcover do me? You promised me yep. that you weren't going to print this. We placed big orders for a certain printing, following final printing. Advisement. Following your advice. Then you turn around and you do the complete opposite of what you told us that you weren't going to do. Um, so so I, I'm going to pause real quick. No, go ahead. Because there's been a number of people on forums, chat boards, whatever, saying... Well, I don't see what the problem is because I don't mind getting the six-issue trade. And agreed. If I was just a customer, agreed. Don't care. Doesn't matter. Yeah. It's how I want to consume it. Fine. And if you're a consumer who orders it through us, fine. It totally wasn't cool. Real, but remember, it wasn't a trade. It was a hardcover. It was a hardcover. But and there's a big difference price-wise. But what I'm saying is if that's the way you consume it, cool. That's totally fine. What we're trying to hit on here is specifically related to what DC told us how we reacted to it, and what the fallout is. So just understand that this is a retailer lens, right. not, and, not an and, individual collection thing. And money spent with DC uh, to hit a certain projection of what we were expecting the next, which what ended up being 25 months to uh, to carry through for us dollar-wise. So um, DC does these final printings. After we put big, heavy orders in for certain issues that we can get and certain issues that were never reprinted, they come out with a trade that nobody asked for or few people asked for. So they're, they're, they can put out a trade for Doomsday Clocks for six issues, solicit a trade for the last six issues of Doomsday Clock, but the books that we can't actually buy, they don't follow through on actually releasing. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it is... It's so maddening. It is really frustrating for us. I, I, I like. I truly don't. I, I knew that we would that we would talk a lot about this, and I didn't. I don't intend for this to be. We didn't intend for this to be a, a DC bashing uh, episode, but really, I, I I've got nothing else. They are the single worst company as far as collections, and uh, with regard to releasing the things that they say they're going to release and then putting out things that nobody asked for it's it's mind-boggling right as a retailer puts you in a hard spot yeah i mean it's it's hard to guess um so a couple of things that i want one more thing so the the way that marvel worked for a long long time and i think most people if you've been reading comics in the last 15 to 20 years you'll understand marvel would would go for for a long time they were doing this where they would put out something called the premier hardcover of a certain story arc first which would be like a four issue story arc that they would put in a $25 hardcover 
that would have cost $16 if you bought it individually. And then later on, months later, they would put out an actual trade. Right. So they would cash in on the Premier hardcover first, then the trade would come out. DC tends to do well, the weird opposite. Well, not any, now they're just in a whatever cowboy country they feel like. Right, and, and Marvel doesn't do the Premier hardcover thing anymore. Right. They sort of moved on from that. Which is which is great because the premier hardcover thing ran its course. Yep. People got sick of it. Most of them ended up on liquidation lists. Um, DC will put out a trade of something, and then they'll put out a a prestige hardcover. Right. Except <laughs> for instances when they decide that they want to do their own weird thing, like with um, Dark Knight's Metal. Now this is this was a really frustrating thing that DC did. When Metal came out, there were four Metal collections. There was the core Metal series. There was like Road to Metal. There was um, the Forge, Gotham the Underground. Casting. Well, that was in the prelude to Metal or whatever. Yeah. There was Gotham Underground and then there was some other. There were four Metal collections in total. Two of them were hardcover releases. Yeah. The other two were trades. Yeah. And they when they were released, now at least Marvel would have would have said, well, we're just going to put all four out as hardcover, and then in four months we'll put all four out as trades. DC did this weird thing where you had to buy this... If you wanted to read the whole story collected, which everybody had to do because of those certain issues like the first Batman Who Laughs and things like that that were sold out and commanding big prices on the secondhand market, you had to buy two hardcovers and two trades. And we had plenty of people who were like, well, this doesn't make any sense. I'm just going to wait... Until I'll buy these two trades. And just wait for the other two trades. Which is like the prelude to metal and the Gotham Underground or whatever. And then I'll wait till the others come out as trades. And those people never came back. Right. So I don't even, they don't even know what they're doing with regard to releasing complimentary books that collect only like six to eight issues. Even that is, is a total mess. Uh, I, I, anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's fine. I just, I want to hit two more things before we we wrap it up and, and sign off. So, well, the, I do have some other publishers that I want to go into. Okay, why don't you go into your publishers? No, you go first. No, I think your publishers would fit better because what I want to wrap up with forecasting here. What I want to wrap up with is why do some things like that when Calls Galactus, the Amazing Spider-Man Cosmic. Why do some of those things sell out? So we're going to hit that. Sure. And then the other thing I want to hit are what are some collected editions that we don't expect to see the light of day that people should keep their eyes out for, which well, we will get to again after your publishers. Okay. First off, look at the look at the stories that never go out of print. Who? What? Out of the all the comic publishers, uh, what publisher would you say does not let books that sell go out of print? It's easy if you think about it. Well, there's certain things that DC has never let go out of print, right? That are well, there's there's Dark Knight Returns sure. and Watchmen, but Killing Joke. I'm talking Image. Yeah. Is is Saga ever going to be out of print? Well, Walking Dead, even though it's the sales have, have slowed to a crawl, will that ever be out of print? You know, Fatal, Killer Be Killed. Any of the Vaughn stuff. Well, I mean, criminal, any of the Brubaker Criminal was stuff. out of print for a while. Criminal was out of print until uh, they put out, I think... That 10-year anniversary special or whatever kicked off another kind of... Well, and then once... I think what happened was um, Brubaker and Phillips sort of... 
developed this brand. Yep. And they're like, well, criminals, not only part of the brand, but it's one of the kind first of key central. Yeah. So that's, that's in print pretty much continues. Now, some of the hardcovers might go out of print. Yep. But like, well, I noticed with, with Fatal, they've gone more to the hardcovers than the trades. Well, image is smart and they'll put out, if we, let's go to Skybound. Like Kirkman will put out those, uh, yeah, limited edition omnibus of Walking Dead, the ones that were signed. Those go out of print, and then they're out of print. Right, those are done. Um, same thing with a lot of it's creator owned, so they can put out whatever they want. But right. like, well, he kind of pioneered that multi platform repackaging of the same things. You had the trades, you then the, you had which were six issues, twelve had, issue hardcover. Right. Then you had your omnibus. Then you had your which the omnibus is twenty four issues. Yep. Forty eight issue compendium. Yep. So you had everything. Yep. The compendiums are still in, in print. Yep. Trades are Trades still, in, still print. in print. I think the hardcovers are in print. I think so. The omnibus go out of print, but that's... Well, you, I mean, that's one yep. out of many... Right. And at that point, people are probably going to turn to the compendiums at this point of the game. And the guys that are buying the omnibus buy them when they're, when they're coming out anyways. Right. Um, so when image, you look at Saga. Saga's got the trades. Saga's yep. got the deluxe hardcovers. Saga now has that compendium. Right. Killer Be Killed, four trades. Deluxe hardcover. Lazarus, six trades, two hardcovers. Monsters, three trades, hardcover. So they've got a format down with a certain packaging size. And let me tell you, they're hardcovers. They're the same format. They look sharp. They do. I'm a sucker. I I own many of those issues twice over, three times in some cases. But the... the, So obviously creator-owned is very different than Mm -hmm. a Marvel or DC. And I think the biggest thing is you look at... If you wanted to compare them... Let's say that uh, Saga Volume 1 is the image equivalent of Watchmen. Right. Or something. Um, it's never going to go out of print, but at the same time, all the other volumes are never going to go out of print. There's there's a period of time where before Watchmen was out of print. I might even be out of print again now. I don't know. But there's a period of time where that was out of print. There's Marvel and DC have so much content to pull from. That there's no way that some of those stories can't be out of print. But the the biggest issue is lining up. Marvel's better at it now than they used to be. I think the biggest example, the glaring example, were two movies. When the um, Iron Man came out, that Warren Ellis Extremis arc with 80 grand of art. Yep. Out of print. Yep. That was, I mean, they pulled a lot from that book. Yep. And we had everybody coming in the store. That was five, six years ago. Everybody wanted that book. It was out of print. You couldn't order it. When Guardians of the Galaxy first came out, all the Abnett and Landing stuff was out of print. And those premier hardcovers, it goes back to the premier hardcovers, were selling for like $80 a piece. Yep. They were super hard to get. Now they have a two-volume Abnett and Landing collection to make up their entire run. The and trade, there's an or there's a single omnibus. Right. And we still sell that like gangbusters. Totally. Um, so there's there are a lot of... There's a there's so much content out there that it's for a lot of publishers you can't keep everything in print. Sure, of course. But the obvious stuff there's a serious issue keeping that in print. I mean, um, with DC, when the Shazam movie came out, not even going to the stuff like the Monster Society of Evil that has maybe some questionable stuff that would reflect negatively on the brand. But what about uh, Jerry Ordway's Power of Shazam? What about stuff like that where you you can't you couldn't even buy um, uh, 
reprints, compilations of the 70s Shazam series. There's all this Captain Marvel stuff that they just did, they didn't put in print. Would there have been a better time, you know, that they should have said, hey, we're going to cancel the Monster Society of Evil, but here is a Shazam omnibus. The entire power of Shazam Mordway run, which has ended up being like 50 issues in total, I think including the graphic novel. Um, here's this instead to make up for it. What an unbelievable run. Jerry Ordway art. Yep. You know, I think I think the graphic novel even had like Ordway painted art. But no, it's out of print. You can't buy that stuff. So these companies are not the synergy that they should have for a lot of this stuff. We talked about Marvel doing that with reissuing trades and omnibus, and they're much better now than they were. Mm-hmm. Um, but both companies could really work on it. I think yep. that there's... There's a lot of ground that they could cover there. But again, you're quite... Well, before we get to your question, uh, talking about other publishers, um, Avatar was one that came up before. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think you can look at companies. A company like Avatar is a great example where a lot of their product... uh, That's a good way to say this. Avatar doesn't seem to be a company that's in the healthiest of positions financially, right? Well, first and foremost, who's running Avatar? <laughs> Can you find a name or a person? Well, I mean, it's... I, Certainly it's nobody be, answers the phone. It's supposed to be uh, William Christensen, but... <laughs> you know, you went from a, a company that was publishing books by Garth Ennis, Alan Moore, and Warren Ellis to whatever weird imprint porno stuff they're putting out now... Which is fine. It has their... Well, I, and they had Kieran Gillen and uh, Jason Burroughs doing art, I think, right? Writing well, something? That yeah. Was, that was the second iteration. But they're not... <laughs> but they're, but the books that they were... There was a period of time where they they were putting out cutting-edge stuff. Sure. Um, now, the, I know a lot of people blast their kind of like uh, um, house-style artists and stuff. Which, whatever. You either like it or you don't. I get yeah. that. But as far as the writers go, they had a murderer's row of of A-listers on there, putting out some some great stuff. And um, it's that stuff is there's nobody the guys that they have writing their stuff now. I don't even you know I don't even know what's going on anymore. When we had Ennis here uh, for the signing, I had I was I was able to I was lucky enough to have a long talk with him about Cross and everything. And at that point. I was a big fan of Cross, but I, I like the Ennis stuff. I don't like what a lot of other people did with Cross, but I like the bleak and the bleakness and the despair and the hopelessness of the the Ennis stuff. I just it reads really well. It it puts me in the same frame of mind as like Cormac McCarthy's The Road, you know, and stuff like that. That I don't need the over the top violence that a lot of the other like Lapham and some other guys brought to it. But he had done. Uh, two story arcs following the same group of characters and he was supposed to have done a third story arc that he had talked about a lot called once a warrior king or something that was going to be his final say on cross it was going to be a big 12 issue arc and it was going to follow those same characters and um never came out and it was he was talking about that for like five years and there used to be the avatar message boards there's a lot of really cool discussion on there, and they're gone. They've been nuked. Uh, and I asked Ennis about it, and he said, well, it's still coming out. And he gave me kind of the like a brief synopsis of what it's about. And uh, 
But he said it, and this was back in, was that 2017? 17, yeah. Uh, he said that it was on track to come out the next year, which would have been 2018. Well, we're in 2020 now, and it ain't out. And uh, I have tried on our retailer boards, which has everybody from uh, Marvel. Well, let's let's go to, uh, what's the company that starts with A? Is there, Ahoy! Ahoy. Everybody from Ahoy to Xenoscope. Literally A to Z. Abstract Studios. And now uh, the new one, really. AWA. Artists, what is it? Artists, writers, and artists? Artists Wrestling Association. <laughs> okay, sure. But <laughs> Avatar, I've tried on there to, I've put out public posts trying to get in touch with anyone from Avatar. No one answers any questions. There's no one from Avatar there. Avatar used to have big, Avatar's a Chicago-based company. They used to be at all of the Chicago conventions. Then been there for years. Uh, Avatar is a company where I would look at it right now and I would say... Aftershock. Oh, God, yeah. We're idiots. Eh, it's late. It's late. Anyway, I look at Avatar and I say, well, there's a lot of Avatar stuff that I like. I like the Ennis stuff. I like a lot of the Alan Moore stuff. I like the Simon Spurrier cross Wish You Were Here. Those hardcovers are all going out of print. Well, guess what? They're probably going to command over their msrp in a year or so or maybe even less than that so i've been buying those for myself to put to put in my library if avatar goes out of business some of that stuff is creator owned but it's like cross is owned by garth ennis and jason burroughs i think it's creator owned or at least it's ennis but then what happens to all the other cross content that ennis didn't do who owns that? Who has the rights to it? I don't know. I don't know if Cross or I mean Avatar even would know. So you, I think one of the smart things to do if you're looking at uh, what are books to buy that might go out of print, look at stuff like that. Think back to Miracle Man. Mm-hmm. When Eclipse went out of business and Todd McFarlane thought he had bought the rights to it. That's like I said, oh it's a God. whole thing. It is a... With with uh, he because he bought all the stuff from Des Skin, but then apparently Des Skin didn't own the rights to Miracle Man. So there's a couple Spawn issues that have Miracle Man in it. McFarlane even made a Miracle Man action figure, which is you know you look back and retroactively, I guess it's a he didn't have the rights to make it, but he made it. He <laughs> thought he did at that point. Anyway, long story short, you look at stuff like that and you go, well, Avatar probably is in a spot where maybe if I'm an Avatar fan or as we have um, uh, customers that that are uh, a Boundless fan, uh, which is kind of their imprint. Now, I think Boundless was more started with Kickstarter money or GoFundMe money or something like that back when they first started. So that might be a different thing where, like, it's... I think maybe those are easier to break off. But, uh, but um, let's look at some of the Avatar stuff, I think... Anna Mercury, that was a Warren Ellis book. I think that was Avatar. Freak Angels, that was Avatar. And I think that that was published as a webcomic on an Avatar website that no longer exists. So if you want the print copies of Freak Angels, uh, that'll probably go out of print. Um, There's all sorts of stuff like that. Alan Moore, my God, he had a bunch of stuff. Yeah, said Light of the Countenance was one of them. Yep, and then all of his... Oh, hell, all of his Lovecraft stuff. Uh, Yeah. Providence... Um, the Courtyard, Neonomicon. 
I mean that's that's Alan Moore stuff when that's when that's out of print, which uh, Providence is out of print. Uh, that stuff is is going to go for big money on the secondary market because it's out of print. Alan Moore. Yep. That's uh, another great analog to Miracle Man. So I always think if you're going to almost speculate, I guess in in collected editions going out of print, look at the reasons that something might go out of print mm-hmm. is the company will the company go out of business if the company goes out of business um will the rights be easy to revert to whoever owns it if the company that's publishing gi joe goes out of business well hasbro just gets the rights back to all that stuff and then whoever gets the next gi joe license from hasbro can publish all that product right they own it or they own the, the license to it and then they can they can publish it if it's creator owned it's a totally different story, you know, or if it's not creator owned, but it's a, a franchise owned by that publisher or a character owned by that publisher, very different story. Um, so look at stuff like that. Look at, uh, look at publishers, look at creators and just say, uh, is this worth me maybe buying now if it's going to be that much harder to get in the future? Well, and I think, so that's, that's one. I think there's two others that we've talked about. Well, one we've talked about, and we'll rehash now, and then one we haven't. The second one is take history, right? So we looked at Annihilation, that omnibus. We looked at When Calls Galactus. And you look at the Spider-Man cosmic. Right. Why, you know, there's a history there that shows they're going to sell out. Why are they going to sell out? Well, they're generally, they're a large event or some sort of, a uh, larger impact is left other than just a middle run of some character that's just kind of going through its paces. Yeah. Right. So you're talking about with Spider-Man Cosmic, you're talking about Spider-Man and cosmic entities coming together. That's kind of an event versus just day in the life of Spider-Man. Right. You've got When Calls Galactus. I don't think I need to really say too much more about that, especially given the timing, the movies and the film franchise and all yeah, of that. Surfers hotter than ever before. Exactly. And then again, <clears throat> Annihilation. That was a large a large event shepherded by Abnett and Lanning, you know, two guys that were at the top of their craft at that time with amazing art from some great, great artists. Art. In fact, I'm pretty sure some... Annihilation is when uh, Del Otto was first brought into doing comics. Yeah, Del Otto and I think Adi Granov did some of the art. Like well, the... Granov was around well before that. but Oh, yeah, but he did some of the art and his but art's I fantastic. I, if I am correct, I think Del Otto had been doing like some fantasy novel covers or like uh maybe it was magic cards or something like that and i think whoever was the art director of marvel at the time did i mean was brilliant and they yeah. brought over i think that's what got delato in to comics i'm pretty sure don't put me don't put that down as gospel but so i think that was one of the other big legacies of annihilation yeah so i mean like take history history can help be a good indicator of the future of what's to come um and then there's the third one, which is things that exist that are a joint publication between two publishers that yeah. will likely never be put out again. DC vs. Marvel, JLA Avengers, stuff right, like that. Right, Those are things that will always command a premium. Well, and one that's going on right now, that I wonder if in the future, now it, I think you have to wait until the collection's out or you can get the individual issues, but there is a... Ninja Turtle, Power Ranger, 
crossover going on between IDW and Boom. Yep. Um, Power Rangers is owned by Saban. Yep. And Ninja Turtles is owned by Nickelodeon. So the licenses are held by those respective comic publishers, but all it but, takes is a little bit of change in the wind. Before but yeah, they're they're just licensees; they're not actual property owners, right? So I, you know, that's an example where if you're a big fan of one of the two, maybe that's a book where you go, "Well, I'll get the hardcover when it comes out," and if uh, some company that doesn't play well with Boom for some reason got the Turtles license from IDW. Uh, like image I think in Boom seem to be rather competitive right now Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe one wouldn't allow a reprint right you never know and now with with DC and Marvel we we had talked on the schoolyard with with a couple of folks and and DC was very receptive to reprinting DC or the JLA Avengers set but at the time Marvel wasn't I was one person from DC that was I think there was a couple and 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 we heard that at the time Marvel was not and I think regardless of that now, you have to look at it. It's not just DC and Marvel. Now it's Warner and AT&T. It's AT&T, AT&T and, Disney. and Disney. And are AT&T and Disney really going to want to join up? And do- so, yeah. so, I mean, the more you add in those additional layers, the more and more complex it gets and the less and less likely it is to see those things reprinted. True. Uh, there's two other things. One, once, again, if you want to, if you want to almost invest in collected editions, uh, you can do what we did, which is when you can look at what what is DC canceling? Why are they canceling it? Or what is any company canceling? When DC canceled that Monster Society of Evil, now my uncle had a copy of that growing up, and he had that hardcover. And I remember as a kid reading his hardcover of it. It's still in his basement somewhere, I know. Um, but you and I, when when we saw that they canceled it, the first thing we did was <laughs> we went on eBay and we bought a copy because DC just told us they're never reprinting this book. Yeah. They said we're never going to reprint it. Yep, It's never going to get any cheaper than it is right now. So if you want the thing, you might as well go buy it right now. You know, get it. When you hear an announcement like that, when you hear that they're... Now, okay, it's, it's not easy to go buy the first 26 issues of Detective Comics. <laughs> but if you can find some kind of reprint of a certain amount of those or some selected selective uh, amount of them, you know that DC, as they stand, are not going to reprint them. Right. Pick them up. You know right now Starman apparently is not going to get reprinted. If you walk into some shop or some moron brought their run-in to sell... Uh, if only I knew where one of those was. Well, if I knew where one was, I'd buy it. <laughs> uh, pick the issues up, you know, or or if you you happen to be out and about, and you're in some hole in the wall shop that's got the the five hard covers that make up the whole Starman uh, collection that are now all out of print. Pick them up, you know. Don't don't hesitate to pay the thirty dollars each because there's one of them that's like a hundred bucks. So kind of listen for. Listen for announcements or cancellations and use that knowledge to say, if DC said we're never going to reprint this, like never, which is what they said with Monster Society of Evil. They said we're never reprinting this. Pick a copy of it up now. It's it's only going to get more expensive. The other one is limited edition reprints of stuff. Now, one that I wish I had picked up that we saw two years ago at the Diamond Retailer Summit was when Akira had its 35th anniversary. They had that really cool box set where you open the top and it was like a 
like a cityscape of Neo Tokyo. And it was like, oh, that's cool, but it's 200 bucks. I'll wait until it's cheaper. It didn't get cheaper. <laughs> that thing's four to $500 now because it's Akira. Yep. I and mean, it's limited. It's not being redone. Right. They made it one time. Yep. Akira is, is one of, is, it probably is the most passionate fan base in the entire history of manga and anime. Everybody loves Akira. Um, and it was this cool limited edition box set. Right. There will be more collections of Akira coming out, but not that one. But not that one. It kind of goes back to our direct market, exclusive, right. you know, Marvel omnibus, or some of the, even like their uh, House of X, Powers of X, yeah. had the Mark Brooks direct market exclusive. So things like that that you you cannot get, and and sometimes you'll see uh, there'll be a release of maybe a limited edition of uh, hardcover that comes with the book plate if you buy it on the initial order or something a like that. A certain threshold. Well, you know, if you know you're going to want to get the book sometime, why why wouldn't you get the limited edition signed version of it as opposed to saving $10 six months later and getting the trade of it, you right. know? Just get stuff like that. When when you have the opportunity to get something like that, don't pass it up. Right. If it's a limited edition, if it's an anniversary edition, an anniversary edition of something means they're not going to keep putting it out annually i mean if you can only have one 35th anniversary of akira and they had it and we i i screwed the pooch on getting a copy of it so maybe they'll do a 40th anniversary set which i'll you better believe i'll jump on i learned my lesson if that happens but if they have these cool limited editions out there and you think someday you're going to want it just buy it right if, if you have the funds and well yeah yeah absolutely so so yeah, I mean that was that was uh, kind of a fun little jaunt, huh? Yeah. Well, I, so I again, I a lot of great people that work at DC, but yep. they there are some there decision are some serious, making struggles going on. Right serious now. issues there. Uh, to sum that up, and I would say to anyone who is, if you're upset about the, the omnibus cancellations out there, if you're upset that they canceled Starman, you're upset they canceled before Batman Detective. Uh, you're upset about the trade dress. The only way you better believe we are. I mean, I like I said, I took it to to Didio himself uh, with with my issues. Um, there are many comic retailers, there are store owners, there are people that are taking their complaints and making them public to DC to the decision makers and saying, "Hey, your decisions are causing me to not order your product." If you're listening to this and you are upset that something that you ordered, pre-ordered, uh, something you were excited for, you were waiting to buy off the shelf, was canceled by their by them, you need to let them know that. Send them an email. Go on their Facebook page. Whatever it takes. But you need to let them know, hey, I placed hey, this. do something that neither of us do. What's that? Tweet it. That's a great, yeah. That's Whatever you can do. Let them know. Make an Insta story. There you go. Or a TikTok. I don't know what that is, but I hear the kids saying it. Yeah. I don't Snapchat because I think that goes away. Yeah. You don't want it to go don't away. Don't do that. No Vine. Don't Vine it. But no, really. Make make it public. Let them know that... Respectfully. Don't, respectfully, don't, don't yeah, be a don't, jerk about it. But. Right. I mean, we, we're frustrated because we've been dealing with this for a while. and But if you can... If, if it's something that frustrates you... Uh, you have more of a voice now to let them know how you feel than ever before. Mm-hmm. 
let them know and let them know on a public forum where you can maybe you'll get a response you know and if enough people say hey we wanted that before batman detective when we were ready to shell out 150 bucks maybe they reverse course or maybe a decision maker above the current decision maker sees that and says why are you throwing money away uh so you know be proactive and and if you are a Right. If you're irritated about it or you're you want to be engaged about it, go out there and be engaged. Yep. Absolutely. Uh that's it. I All guess. Right. Well, hey, here's something really fun that I learned uh I think in between the last published episode of the Cowcast and now. And that is uh my esteemed co-host here. We were driving back from some event, and he goes, Hey, did you know that if you play our podcast on half speed, you sound like you're drunk? (laughs) No, no. Uh, Did I say... One of us sounded high, the other sounded drunk. I think think, you were high, and I was drunk. Why? I think... uh, Either way, fun party. I was going to tell you this at the beginning, but I thought, no, they're not going to listen to the end of the episode. They're just (laughs) going to... Yeah. So, now's your chance. Go back to the beginning... Put it on half speed and laugh. No, yourself. You were the silly. one that you were the one that sounded high because you you sounded slower. Oh yeah, I talk faster. <laughs> so my, if you listen to me at like half speed or whatever it is, I sound more kind of drawn out, <laughs> yeah. like I'm like I'm drunk and I'm really trying to remember my words, but it comes out kind of sounding that's half right. Normal. And I just sound baked. Yeah. So either way. So there you go. There's a little fun, uh, fun something for you in the new year. Go back and listen to but our episodes. You won't get anything else out of it. <laughs> no, you that. won't. You'll just laugh. If you're like us, you'll probably laugh to the point of tears. But uh, thanks for coming on the journey. Like I said, we hope that uh, over the course of 2020, we will be back into the saddle and, and put out a few more of these episodes when there's content and items to discuss. Obviously, we do want to get back to the grading one. And I think what we've learned from the last one the last recording that we did that didn't work was all it was three three plus hours so i think what we've learned is we're going to find a couple of spots and break it up into maybe two or three pieces and find some some logical areas so that is coming we know that there's a lot of you that are looking forward to it um and i think we need to we need to revisit the information because we have more facts well oh yeah do we have way more facts (laughs) uh we're I've been submitting more books than ever before, but I think the other thing that we that we want to maybe touch on when we have a little bit more information uh, right now, there's a lot of there's a lot of hype, there's a lot of uh, conjecture, um, and I mean hype in the negative way. But DC's 5G, everyone is talking about 5G. There was a long, and I regardless of if you like bleeding cool or not. Uh, Bleeding Cool has in this had case a, long, a, a pretty decent write up of what's going on, right? Um, and I I know that there have been a lot of people that have been coming in and asking us what is up with this whole five G thing. Uh, we don't know. We know as much as anybody else. Now I will give you a little bit of inside information. We have heard uh, DC when they when they tend to do these big reboots. Uh, one of the things that they do is what's called a, a retailer roadshow, where they will hit uh, what five or six? Yeah, five or six cities. Uh, Sorry, that was me doing a little. I I made James pause and stutter because I did like a little whip, like a rodeo roadshow. 
Yeah, you did. But no, they they hit like five. I or thought six you were doing kids. it because you, your wife texted you, and I thought you were like, oh, making she a went to sleep an hour and a half ago. Mine just texted me that she's going to bed too. Um, so does that mean we can go for another hour and a half? No. Oh, okay. But long story short, uh, with the retailer road shows, anytime there's going to be a big shakeup, the last retailer road show that DC did was right before Rebirth came out. Uh, obviously, Rebirth was a huge shakeup in the DC universe and continuity. Before that, the last one that they did was right before the New 52 came out. Right. Which we were not in the industry at that point, um, so we weren't able to attend that one. Well, they have announced kind of... Uh, it, they don't have a concrete date for it, but tail end of April, maybe beginning of May, there's going to be another retailer roadshow, uh, which can only mean whatever 5G is, it's probably going to be pretty big and maybe a line-wide reboot. We don't know. But if there's a retailer roadshow based on prior history, we know it's going to mean something big. Uh, so as we get closer to that, maybe we'll have more information and uh, see what happens. Yeah, and if you remember, was that our second episode, third episode, something like that, we actually released the recording of the Rebirth Roadshow that I hastily took from my cell phone. Yeah. Um, you know, rest assured, if we end up going to a roadshow again, we would try and do the same thing. Can't make any promises, well, but... Which is funny because at that point, I think we were just excited excited to be... In the no to be there and and we we're like oh this is great whatever they're doing it's great well and it was the first now, time that we had actually watched Didio in person yeah and his his enthusiasm is infectious when you're he's crowd. very enthusiastic um, until he's telling you to move on he's get over it yeah until he called me Patrick <laughs> 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 he called me Patrick at the show oh my gosh anyway uh, but. You know, we were very excited to be there, and it yep. didn't really matter about the content uh, because to us, it was just like we're, we're insiders in this. Uh, We've cracked getting, the code. We're getting the inside baseball. We're here. It's really cool. We were very fresh on the scene, and now we're now sort we're of jaded, grizzled. Well, yeah, we're. we're <laughs> now we have, I, I would say, I don't know if we're jaded and grizzled as much as we're going to go in there and we're going to have very real we're gonna look we're at not, it differently we're not going in there so that we can do a photo op with jim lee anymore uh we we want to go in there so that because we have serious discussions to to have with them and points that we want to bring up about their publishing practices so i think it's going to be a much better and more effective retailer roadshow for us maybe a less enjoyable one than the the second episode that we recorded four years five years ago whatever it was uh so that it'll be interesting to see yeah. the, the development from being fanboys to uh i don't know whatever you would call us now something yeah here present yeah so well all right we hope you enjoyed that uh if you do have comments questions thoughts feel free to email social i think it's social at cowbunkacomics.com or Hop on Twitter and tweet us. I do Whatever watch. Whatever it was, twi- like I, over a year ago. I do watch the the tweets. Tweets. I watch those. I'm not the best at replying to them, but I will. I will look at them. Um, or yeah, just however you want to get in touch with us. If you've got thoughts or questions, feel free to let us know. And I think then that will close us out. So until next time. Oh, and you know what we didn't even touch on for collected editions. What? TKO. To be continued. To be continued. <laughs>